This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. This week, I am joined by two Krakoan mutants hell-bent on becoming Mr. Sinister's pets, Eric Resniak. Hello. And Kevin Dillon. Hey there. Thank you both for joining me on this episode. I'm very excited to have you both back because, you know, as much as I like talking about comic books with people, I really like talking about X-Men comics with people, and you two... I think are becoming my favorite people to talk about X-Men books with. So before we dig into that, because we are going to be digging deep into the X of Swords event and the postmortem, everything that comes after that, what we think the future of the X-Men is after X of Swords. Before we get into that, I have to ask the question that I'm legally mandated to ask as part of this show. How have you been and what comic books have you been reading? How have comic books been for you? Uh, let's start with you, Eric. Um, I'm hashtag thriving. Yeah, we got through 2020, so <laughs> that's amazing. It. We did it. We did it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. And uh, the comic books that I have been reading, I took advantage of Comixology's, uh, there, there's a free plug, uh, end of the year sales for back issues, and I availed myself of the Eternals Maxi series from 1986, which is written by Walt Simonson and uh, drawn by Sal Buscema, and uh, with the new Eternals book launching this coming week by mm-hmm. uh, the very exciting creative team of Karen Gillan and Asad Rabik. I wanted to get to know that that uh, franchise a little bit better since the movie's coming out as well. Um, I'd always been familiar with them from Cersei's long run in the Avengers in the 90s, and I had read the Neil Gaiman relaunch in the early 2000s, but I wanted to kind of dig a little more deeply into this property, and I've actually been loving it. it, it a lot of the 80s stuff can sometimes read very creaky. This is great. It's a, it's a 12-issue miniseries. Uh, it's, I was like 99 cents an issue on Comixology. And, steel. Yes, total steel. And I will say this, that um, I really, it's always kind of been a C or D list property for Marvel, the Eternals, but so mm-hmm. was Guardians of the Galaxy. And right. they've turned that into really juggernaut. And there's a lot of meat in the Eternals. Um, I, I think we all kind of were like, well, if the Inhumans had worked out, we don't think we'd be getting an Eternals movie. And I think there's probably truth to that. Eternals is a meaty, meaty subject matter. You're dealing with really big issues of the nature of life. You're dealing with the concepts of what are the responsibilities of the superpowers to the global community. It is a property that has diversity really sewn into it. Uh, If you're not familiar with the the Eternals, the whole concept is like, no, by the way, no Marvel property is more directly tied to the Celestials who have already made appearances in the MCU, if you're the movie Mm -hmm, fans, mm -hmm. than the Eternals. They are ingrained into that and the whole concept is these celestials came down to earth they created uh, you know humanity existed they created the two offshoots the deviants which are the genetically uh, unstable bad guys quote unquote and then the eternals which is a small 100 group of superpowered like perfect icons and then right, it, right. the whole thing is about diversity which is why you know the movie coming out is hyper hyper diverse that's very much in line with this property i love this mini series that i'm reading from the 80s because it really is diving more into the characters of thena who's going to be played by angeline jolie she's really complicated and i love it um i'm getting more to know about Ic- icarus who i've always kind of thought is the standard superman type but he's really um kind of flawed and an egomaniac and kind of emotionally stunted Gilgamesh, okay. uh, Fastos, Canto. Like, it's really, really a great property, and it has some fantastic antagonists, both with the Deviants as well as within the Inhumans themselves. And if you have not read it, or you're, if you've only read the Gaiman version, I encourage you to go back and read some of the earlier stuff. There's a lot to work with here, and I personally am very excited about the new comic series as well as the film coming out. 
yeah, I you you've convinced me. I, I I really think I've always had like an interest in the Eternals. I've always thought like that idea was cool, this higher than than high kind of concept of things like the Celestials and all that stuff. Uh, I I guess I didn't know where to start. And I think when I first tried to get in the Eternals, I only started with the game and stuff, mm-hmm. and I wasn't a big fan. So if you're saying that this is like a good maxi series to jump onto, I think I'm gonna have to grab this for sure. Yeah, I, I would say so. The game and stuff is is solid, but it's very slow moving. The the game and right. plot. Right. The plotting, the, the the pacing in that miniseries is really deliberate, and this is a lot snappier, as 80s comics tended to be. So, Gotcha. Uh, and the other thing I've been reading, again, thank you, Comicology for Your Sales, is the Mutant Massacre trade paperback, which goes and Ooh. captures the very first X-Men crossover, so it's relevant to this podcast. This is from the mid-1980s, and it was Uncanny, X-Factor, and New Mutants with bonus tie-ins to Daredevil, Thor, and Power Pack, which... Uh, introduces the um god the marauders as Mm -hmm. uh they are Mm -hmm. sent by an unseen mr sinister he's mentioned but never actually shown uh Mm -hmm. to massacre the morlocks in the morlock tunnels and it's great i had uh, only read parts of this the uncanny issues none of the others and um it's really harrowing and there's actually a lot of plot points that are deliberately reflected in the x of swords crossover if you're reading the current hellions book a lot of the stuff in those first couple issues where they go back to the uh asylum where sinister was making all of his clones of the marauders this is directly referencing some of that stuff uh the stuff having to do with betsy this is the storyline by the way where betsy braddock is first introduced to the x-men the way that she is dismissed by the X-Men themselves and really treated like shit in the storyline is very much echoed in X of Swords where she is constantly being put down. I'm fascinated by this weird treatment of Psylocke that is consistent to her character that when she's not a ninja, she is treated as utterly useless by her teammates and friends. So um, it's a really interesting, some great, uh, it's written by Claremont and Louise Simonson, some great art by Walt Simonson, by um, Alan Davis. Uh, There's, I highly recommend it if you have not read it. Again, the very first X-Men crossover, we wouldn't have X of swords if we didn't have mutant massacre so it was like five bucks worth every penny gotcha i was eric was sending me messages about like what they were saying to betsy in the comic and i was just like these burns of her are so deep and mean it's it's crazy to think about um because the way i've read psylocke and betsy and all the variations of her over the years it's just like i was like Oh my god! Because I've never read it, so I'm now I'm curious, and I might have to pick it up myself. Wolverine and Storm are straight up savage to her in the first couple issues in which she's there. <laughs> They're just like, "You are useless. Mind your business. You are not an X Man. Just go over and sit in the corner." And she's like, "I'm literally the only telepath you have in this house right now, and you are being attacked mm-hmm. by killers. So please use me." It was amazing. <laughs> Well, that's I, again. This is these are like older books that I feel like I know the names of, and I know that people respect. Like this, this Eternals run, I know that I've heard of it. I, Walt Simonson. I mean, anything that he's done has pretty much got like a gold star from a lot of people. Um, and this Mutant Massacre book, I mean, this is just another Claremont classic, right? Um, so I, I'm surprised that I haven't actually read these. But I, I've always been the person that's like, yeah, yeah, that all happened in the past. Who cares? But to hear that this actually relates to like the way that that Psylocke's been treated, um, you know, Betsy Braddock in specific, you know, it's, 
it's fascinating. I feel like and now I need to read this too. Eric, I, I need to read new comics, not old comics. What I the hell are you doing? No, Well, it's funny you mentioned that because um, Kevin and I are actually working on a side project called Readers of the Lost Arcs, where we're going to be going back and looking at <laughs> comic runs that will that inform current runs of comics or cinematic okay. spinoffs. So uh, Kevin and I, through our, our uh, podcast, The Great Pop Culture Debate, which Mike also works on, um, mm. it's all very incestuous, folks. I'm sorry. But so are the X-Men. It's fine. Um, we are working on that as a spinoff for our YouTube channel. And if you are interested in some of these older storylines and how they actually do have seeds that kind of come to fruition now and are relevant currently, we are going to be mm-hmm. cherry picking some of those for you. And we will we'll read them and talk about them so you don't have to. I see. Well, I didn't know that we were going to be doing constant plugs. Um, we're going to have to take a break really quick so I can reprimand Eric. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Anyways, let's, uh, you know, Kevin, I'm, I'm curious to know what, what have you been reading? How have you been? I've been okay. I'm hoping we have a democracy in, what is it, 17 days? Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping democracy is still intact. So barring that, I've been doing really well. Um, I... Um, have tried so this whole year i've i've been unemployed i've been navigating all these different things so the only things i've actually i was actually really really reading was x-men books um because mm-hmm. i was trying to save money um but i was listening to a podcast um and they were doing their best of uh comics for 2020 um uh it's talking comics they're a lovely comics podcast they're they're really fun guys and gals to listen to um and they brought up um a Tom Taylor book that I had not heard of, or just kind of hadn't been um, thinking about. So the book was, is seven secrets uh, and it's a boom book. Um, I'm a huge fan of boom. I love everything uh, that they do. I think they are really, I think they're my favorite small comic, small, smaller comics publishing house. I think they're really the stories that they have created and the uh, writers and artists that they've cultivated are really great. So plug for boom. Um, but Seven Secrets is by um, Tom Taylor and Danielle D. I'm not going to say their last name right. Nicuolo. Um, I should be able to say that. It sounds Italian. Um, and um, it is the first, I guess, non-X book that I picked up this year, I think. Yeah, which is weird. It's a weird thing to say and think about. But um, uh, right. the first five issues are out um and i like literally devoured them i sent eric a message actually and i was like eric i'm crying because it's like it was that emotional of an issue each issue is like so the premise is about these it's almost like a spy organization we're still kind of understanding the mythology and lore of who they are but there are uh keepers and holders and the they're each one of them Um, The keeper knows one of the seven secrets and the holder has a briefcase with the secret in it. And their job is to protect those seven secrets and protect the legitimacy of government, basically. And there is the villains in this are the, the seekers. No. Yes. Seekers. I'm just like, I need to get the language right in the, in the, cause I was like, it's so specific, but you Mm -hmm. get to engage with, what is this kind of almost like spy organization and are they doing the right thing by protecting these secrets? Um, what they essentially do is they take orphaned children and, and pull, pull them into their organization 
And essentially, they kind of become like a little bit of a cult. So it's this very dynamic, interesting, because you're like on their side in the beginning. And they're, you have these two characters, uh, Eva and Sigurd, and they're protecting this one of their secrets. And it's this hunt for them and trying to kill them. And you are on their side. But as you kind of learn more about the organization that they work for, there's almost like a darkness to it that kind of, I think mm-hmm. le- that a lot of comics kind of are like, oh, and it's, no, this organization is great. And we blindly follow it and love it. And I think what Tom Taylor does in his writing um, is that he perfectly creates these like dynamic characters and stories that really make you think a little bit more about who we're reading about, what we're talking about. And it, mm-hmm. he really, I, from issue one, was like, I'm hooked on what this is. He's great at cliffhangers. There's a lot of cliffhangers. It's almost v- mm-hmm. very, it connected me, it made me think of Saga a little bit. And it's, you know, creating a world and like, it's not as sci-fi, it's not really sci-fi fantasy, but it it really you get to meet these characters, you get to understand the world. And, and, and it's just been, it's been really funny. Cause I think there's a lot of, he does a lot of really funny stuff with his work. And I, like I admitted, I cried probably several times reading these books. Cause within five issues, I was absolutely connected to the characters. Um, yeah. I don't want to spoil much. Cause I think it's one where, you know, when you read an indie book and you kind of, go book by book and you really build your own connection to the characters. You get the feel for it on your own. And I also, there are a lot of cliffhangers that do happen in each at the end of each book. And I love a good cliffhanger. Um, And they're not for the sake of it. They're, they're really intentional and really well done. So I, I messaged Eric about this immediately. As soon as I read the first issue, I was like, I'm hooked. And then I finished all five issues within, um, within a day. Um, so I, I loved it. And it's the first issue I think is 99 cents on comiXology. Um, or yeah, I, I actually was just looking, I was just looking at that. I think I picked this up, uh, when it first came out and then I never read it and you've, I knew it was going to be Tom Taylor and the art looks beautiful. Oh, so I'm, I mean, I'm sold immediately. It's so like, it's stunning. It, this looks fantastic. Absolutely. I probably should just pick up the rest of the issues. You should. It is one, is one of the secrets Colonel Sanders' eleven secret herbs and spices? <laughs> yep, and Mario, because that is worth dying for. And Mario Lopez yep. shows up for twenty minutes. Spectacular! Um, oh, good. Um, yeah, and then briefly, I added this. Um, I also read Messiah Complex for the first time, oh, which yes. I'd never read. Um, I don't know how. I think it was at a period where I wasn't reading comics. I think that would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a really interesting book. Or I, I bought I bought I found uh, a the completed edition uh, at a Black Friday sale for like five dollars. So it's like oh, I'm picking nice. this up. Yeah. So um, great to have that. Um, it went in stages for me. I think ultimately I do like it. Um, I loved it in the beginning. I thought the middle sagged a little bit. So the premise of Messiah Complex is obviously after House of M you know, the direction of the X-Men is kind of in shambles. You know, mutants aren't being created, you know, uh, or they're not being born, and a mutant is born in this. And and so the beginning starts literally with an explosion, a bang, and you, mm-hmm. you follow a team of X-Men who are going to this explosion, and you're trying to figure out um, who kidnapped the child. And it intersects with the Marauders, 
um, inter- which Gambit was part of the Marauders at this point, and I always forget that he was part of the Marauders. And you intersect with Cable as a huge piece of this. Um, this is also, there's a, a, a storyline that I'll be honest with you, I really actively don't like with Multiple Man. I am just not a Multiple Man fan. He just gasp. doesn't do it for me. I know. I Gay know, gas. I know. I find him, <laughs> I'll say this, I find him more annoying than Deadpool. Um, yeah. Oh my lord. I know. Right. Uh, we have to stop the show Sorry. so I can kick Kevin off and Eric and I can continue. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't get the appeal. I don't get the appeal. It's it's I know it's a flaw in me and I'm 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 happy. No, that's okay. You know, you're 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 fine to have your own opinions on things. It's okay. I just you know, we think that we're in the right and you're absolutely wrong, I'm, but that's okay. Listen, Everyone's allowed to be wrong sometimes. We're entitled to your wrong opinion, Kevin. I will I will say that I'm probably wrong on this, especially that bold controversial statement about he's worse than Deadpool. That's probably not true. <laughs> um that's me being exclamatory, um, inflammatory, whatever. Um the other thing that um I real I liked I liked this overall. Like I said, it went in waves, and I think the we can talk about this when we get to X of Swords. The thing I didn't like is I felt like each book didn't really connect to one over our. It, mm. There was a problem. There was like a um, and yep. it's like when you watch a film and you're like, what's going on with the editing? I don't get it. Sure. Like yeah. I don't get the way the story's pieced together, a- and it didn't have. I guess the Hickman touch to kind of guide how each individual book um, should kind of connect. I mean, they do connect, but you also feel like some books were messier than others. And yeah. Um, well, it's kind of a question of like the editorial oversight on this. Right. And I know we, you know, comic book readers, we love and then hate and then love and then hate editorial influence on a book. But like given the names that are working on this book and the writing styles of the creators, right? right. Like I'm looking at the notes that you've got here. It's Brubaker, Mike Carey, yeah. Peter David, Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. Like those are four distinctly different writers. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that in like X of Swords, we don't have any distinction in the writers, but there's clearly like an editorial push in how things should be constructed and how the narrative should be told yep. and i think with messiah complex it was like hey we need you to tell this interconnected story but we don't really know how to connect them directly with your writing styles and the way that you work or we don't have a unifying factor like data pages right to, you know make it all feel the same it, it is very that and as someone who actually did uh intern at the marvel comics odd offices at some point i would be so happy to do an inside baseball discussion about how oh. editors work um but i'm not going yeah. to bore you when you're listening about that now but i have <laughs> not, today. Not, today. not today satan not today satan yes i i think my <laughs> final thoughts on it would be kind of again with the disconnect is like the new mutants would show up and you'd be like okay ah they really hate them this is weird um or are they trying to protect them and so like out of context it was it was interesting it is peak dick cyclops which i loved um yeah. mm-hmm. and um I loved bottom Wolverine. He was kind of subdued. I, I thought that was great. I was like, this is a different Wolverine. I thought that was really fascinating. I also don't like professor X. So this book worked for me too, because boy, is he relegated and I understand why. And that's super interesting. Um, But yeah, it's a really interesting book. It's a really interesting time for the X-Men and um, yes, a great writing staff really interesting art i think that's the other piece um that i I did like i liked each book 
picking up with its different art style, which was really fascinating. And same thing happens with X of Swords, which again, we'll talk about, but I, I really overall did like this story. Um, mm-hmm. And I like where it leads us to, although the, the, uh, and I like what they do with Cable and a Cable is not a character that I'm a huge, huge fan of um, mm-hmm. also, but like, I liked what they did with him and they, I think it's a really, I miss adult cable. I'll say that. I miss adult cable. <laughs> this book was like, well, you know what? We could get into the complaints yeah. about young cable when we talk about X of Swords. Yes, How about that? Yes. And I'm going to hand it over to you because you have some books that I'm sure you want to tell us about. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks. I think we were off for a little bit. We launched episodes in a weird order because I don't know how to launch anything in the right order. But so I hope folks enjoyed the belated holiday episode that we did um, last week, me and Brian. But I, I did read some comic books in this break, big break that we had. Uh, I read uh, Chainsaw Man chapters fifty six through ninety seven. Um, if you haven't read Chainsaw Man, it's it's a very short manga series that you can read for free um, on the Shonen Jump app if you you know pay the $2 subscription. Um, so it's not really free, but you know how that goes. Um, but the idea is that in a world set where devils are or devils live, um, born from human fears, cause harm to humans who seek to exterminate them. Um, humans can also make deals with devils. Our main character, Denji, is a young, depressed man who's attempting to pay back his deceased father's debt to the Yakuza. Um, one thing leads to another. He ends up selling all of his organs and he starts to die because, you know, that's what happens when you sell your organs. And he makes a deal with his little pet friend, Devil. Um, to basically become his new heart, which gives him these devil powers called the he's the chainsaw man, and he can make chainsaws explode out of his hands and his head and his legs. And this series was huge, like in a, in ways that I can only describe as like the pacing was quick, but everything felt like there were chapters that were really slow and nice. And I don't know how the creator uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto was able to deliver such an action packed, over the top, violent stupid fest of insanity but also have these really nice sad like close to the heart type of chapters all in one book um and this wasn't like a drawn out series like every issue was really packed with a lot of like story um and character development and we got to know two characters in particular denji and power who were like my favorite people in the entire world um and it's it's such a chaotic book and I loved absolutely everything about it. Like the the our main the main character Denji, he has this character arc and growth that is very simple. I mean, like the only way I can describe it is the most simple thing in the entire world. He wants to go on a date with a character with a another character. That's his whole goal for almost a hundred chapters. Um, and as things go on, he learns that oh, he just wants to do another simple thing, or he wants to do this other simple thing. And in order to do it he has to kill a thousand demons or he has to, you know, hunt down this massive super de- like super demon. It's insane. And like the, the art is spectacular. The jokes are really dumb and perfect. Uh, you, if you go into this book just with like a lighthearted mindset, uh, you'll absolutely love it from beginning to end. And it's a wonderful read. Uh, the 97 chapters that you can read are only quote part one of the series. The next part's going to be available on the manga plus app. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I was waiting to get caught up on One Piece when I read this, and it's such a satisfying read. You can knock it out in like a couple of weeks, like I did. And yeah, it's, it's very, very good. I highly recommend it if you want to get into some dumb, over-the-top, violent manga. I'd like to know more about these demons that I can make deals with, uh, confidential yes. to them. I am very open to offers. So, you know. <laughs> no, and that's, oh man, the, 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 the things that they do in this book with those types of deals are insane. It's, it's very, very fun. Come and see about me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing that I did read was 
decorum numbers one through six this is jonathan hickman with mike huddleston on art i fucking can't believe that i slept on the issues for this book like i've been buying them because i was like oh it's just another hickman book i'm gonna have to read it in an arc um i could have read this month to month um if only because mike huddleston's art is unparalleled right now i think there is not another book in circulation right now that is being actively published that is as beautiful or as visually interesting as this book and i know that that's like a huge claim but you if you check out this volume like this first volume of this book you're going to see 10 different like artists rendition of the same book and it's all done by mike huddleston um the the prefit the premise is from image uh there are many assassins in the known universe this is the story of the most well-mannered one manners are a sensitive awareness of the feelings of others if you have that awareness you have good manners no matter what knife you use that's not really a good sum up of this book uh but it's it's a sci-fi story about assassins that need to do this thing there's a b plot that happens where the universe is either being destroyed or it's going to be fixed i don't know um we don't actually really know all of the story yet but i i cannot explain how much mike huddleston's art sells this book like who cares what the story is if i get to look at mike huddleston's art in this book reminds me a lot of the crazy shit that marco rudy would do in a lot of his stories though it does lean a little bit closer to like your standard comic fare so you do get more classic paneling um but each issue has three to five different art styles in it. And I can't believe that it's all done by one person. Uh, so if you get a chance, read decorum, get the first volume, whenever it comes out and issues number one through six are out. It is probably, like I said, the most beautiful book you can read right now. I period. the exact same thing you did, Mike. I have the first five issues that I bought, never read. They're sitting mm-hmm. on my iPad and I need to go back and read them. I've just been waiting, but uh, okay. uh, with your suggestion, I will make sure to make that a priority this week. Honestly, I, you will not be disappointed. I think you're, you're probably going to text me and go, Oh yeah, you were right. You should not have slept on this. Uh, it's fucking like, I sent some screenshots to Nick. Uh, it was another, you know, regular on the show. And, he was like, Are, "Is this really the same book?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah, Nick, you're stupid." No, I'm not going to put words <laughs> in your mouth like that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just incredible. Yes. But uh, finally, I do want to talk about one big thing. Today is January third, two thousand and twenty-one. Chapter one thousand of One Piece is out. We did it, folks. I spent an entire year reading One Piece. I read from chapter one all the way to chapter one thousand in literally three hundred and sixty-seven days. I think. Folks, I, I'm caught up. I can't believe it. It's been a journey. I, I've been updating this on the show for the last year, folks. It's happening. It's crazy. It's insane. I, I read the final or the thousandth chapter, not the final chapter. Um, the thousandth chapter this morning before we recorded the show. The buildup that they've been doing for the past 40 chapters is finally coming to a crescendo. Um, we didn't finish a giant fight. We did. We just got to the beginning of a giant fight um, because that's just how manga is. You know, it's normally I think in the United States, there'd be a you know special anniversary 100 page, you know, volume of something like they did with DC's chapter 1000 for detective comics and stuff. But for One Piece, it's just another 22-page chapter because, you know, they got to come out with 1001 next year. <laughs> it's got to be a thing. Um, or excuse me, next week. They, you know, one week, they got to create another 22-page chapter. So anyways, I'm just very excited to be caught up. You know, I read all of Chainsaw Man, One Piece, like anything is possible now. I've read a thousand chapters of One Piece, so anything is possible now. And um, I'm going to get that on a T-shirt. Just you wait. So there you go. Congratulations. That is an accomplishment. Good, sir. Thank you. Anus thing is possible. (laughs) 
So the one other thing I will say about that is that we are going to be doing another like manga read along series. So if you're someone that wants to read another like classic manga series, we just finished the voting for this on our Discord. We're going to be reading Hikaru no Go, which is a manga series all about um the the board game Go. It's like 172 chapters or something like that. So we're going to be figuring out the pacing and how we're going to be reading that. But if you want to get in on that, make sure you jump on the Discord. But enough about, you know, plugging and stuff like that. Let's let's move on to comic picks. Comic books are coming out on January 6, 2021. What are you both excited for this week? I'm going to kick this back over to Kevin. Um, so I my favorite, I think my favorite or it's a top tier X book for me is X Factor. I always love reading X Factor books. Um, there's something about the weird teams they put together in these books um and so i'm really excited uh about this book that's coming out this week it's issue number six um and mm-hmm. and the tagline is siren is dead again and again and again and that poor that poor woman <laughs> siren has been siren and her dad banshee have been through it they have really been through the ringer and i I'm really curious what Leah Williams will do with this. I hope they give Siren some, I don't know, reclaiming of what makes her a really interesting character. Cause I do think she has an interesting bent. I I've liked her when I've read her. She's not one of my favorites, but I think she can be done well and not done dirty. Um, I, so I'm really excited. I love Leah Williams. I think she's a great writer. I think, Issue number five of X Factor, um, I think, was one of the best X books I read last year. Um, the scenes that you got to see of camaraderie and love within the mutant community were just, mm-hmm. they emanated. And I i loved that. And um, I love this team. I think this team is bananas. I, I, Eric even was like, I've grown to really like iBoy when we were talking. And I'm like, I do too. Wow, I never yeah, thought yeah, I would yeah. say that. I like iBoy. Wow. I love a reserved Deken. I think that's really interesting. I think it's fun to see him kind of just like be playful rather than just be a giant dick. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I don't have a problem with Deken's giant dick, but I, that's fine. I, I don't either. <laughs> I need him to use it with a man, but he's been flirting with uh, uh, Aurora. Aurora. Yes, thank you. Uh, and I'm like, okay, that's fine, I guess. Um, and I love David Baldion's art. I think it's really, I think it's playful. I think it's fun. I think it's, he's just the right artist for this book. Um, and, and I think he does such a really good job of kind of support, like working with Leah Williams to create a book that's deep and meaningful, but yet fun and playful. And I, I, I'm really excited for X Factor 6. Yeah, same here. I'm, I'm, I've grown to love this series more and more as it's gone on. So I'm, yeah. I'm very excited for this. And like you said, issue five was spectacular. Yep. It made. Uh, me, Eric, what about you? Yeah, oh, I just want to say real quick. It made issue five made me care about the the characters from that class of the new of New Mutants, which I've I never really cared about. I think in the previous uh, one mm-hmm. of these we did, I was shitting all over Rockslide and armor, and you were horrified. <laughs> um, yeah, and of yeah. course, that was bad on my part because then poor Rockslide. But um, poor Rockslide. It yeah. really did make me resonate with that with that group. But one thing I've noticed about X Factor is when you look at this cast, this is a cast that's about um, family and legacy. Yep. Because mm-hmm. with the exception of Prodigy 
Jean Iboy, they're all either siblings or children of Mainstay X-Men. So I'm hoping that Siren will also take her place on this team. I also am hoping that we will get some type of a conclusion to where Siren was left at the end of Peter David's X-Factor, because I believe at the end of X-Factor, she was one of the members of the team that had been elevated to God level as had Guido and like Wolvesmane had given birth to like the wolf god. It was, it was crazy. So um, I'm hoping for a reset for that character. And I continue to think that Banshee is being weirdly sidelined by this reboot, especially given his importance to Moira McTaggart. So just throwing that out there. Um, Understandable. So for me, um, I'm really interested in DC's future state launch, which it kicks off this week. And this is mm-hmm. a three month, I believe long um, process there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about future state for over a year now in the industry. And there's a lot of rumors as to exactly what happened. I don't know. I'm sure nobody knows the exact story, but it certainly did lead to significant shakeup in DC comics management, which I think was necessary. Um, I, what I like about this approach to future state, which if you're not familiar with it, uh, it is basically for the first three months of the year, there's an entire huge line wide initiative. Some of the books are weekly. Some of them are twice a month. Some of them are monthly. And it's looking at the characters that we know it into the future. And I think there's different points in the future being represented here because it looks like Wonder Woman is in the far flung future, whereas uh, Bruce Wayne is in only the slight future. And also introduces the next round of heroes to take up those mantles. So we have um, a Brazilian Wonder Woman. We have um, Lucius Fox's son is the new Batman. Um, it's a uh, John Kent takes up the mantle of Superman. So you have the classic characters in their own adventures. I'm very interested in. Uh, the current Superman's arc, he's imprisoned on some type of a war world. He's wearing nothing but boots, his little underpants, his shield on his chest, and chains. I'm sold. I will buy every issue of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's so what I do like about this approach is that you do not need to get all 30-something issues of this. It, they're mm-hmm. not all interconnected. Some of them are, some of them aren't. You can pick and choose which ones you want. And that is very appealing to me. Anyone who listened to the last time I was on knows I love Legion of Superheroes. I could not have less interest in the future state version of Legion of Superheroes. Um, the art style does nothing for me, and it, it just not at all of interest but i am going to pick up the new wonder woman books i'm going to pick up a couple of the superman ones and we'll see from there so i'm really excited and also this isn't just a a a short-term thing some of these characters will be in the main stage or the mainstream dcu afterwards as i mentioned the brazilian wonder woman i believe her name is yara floor is going to be staying around for sure and she's getting her own cw tv show so this isn't just i'm sorry go ahead no, how many CW shows do we need? I mean, come on, DC. I mean, Supergirl is ending. Yeah, Supergirl's ending. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we are getting, you know, Lois and Clark start soon. Batwoman is back with a completely new Batwoman, who I'm sure will be brought into the DCU. I actually think she was introduced yeah. in Batgirl. Um, so, yeah, they're they're just going to keep popping them out. Crunch all yeah, you want. Fun. They'll make more. So that's what I'm interested in. Very fun. What Danny in our Discord is warning everybody that the future state books are seven ninety nine each. So just a word of oh, warning. Every issue, Danny. I think it might be. It might be. We'll we'll confirm that I in think, the break. My understanding is there's a couple anthologies that are seven ninety nine. Um, and then I think there are some that are just regular price. Although at this point, honestly, regular price for a comic book is outrageously expensive. So Danny makes an excellent point. Thank you, Danny. Yeah, keep an eye out. I was also going to be a little shady and be like, these not these DC books will be out on January 
fifth, not six. Yeah, technically, um, technically. <laughs> I, I, I ranted about this, and I need to just sidebar this for a second. DC, I'm forgetting about your books because they're not being released on Wednesday. I just am. It, oh. It's happening. It's just... Uh, well, you know what, Kevin? I want, I want to talk to you more about this. We could talk about yes. it in the break. I want to get through my comic picks so we can take a break and then get into the X of Swords stuff because uh, we are running oh, a little long yes, here. Yes, 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 yes. So I will say just to shout out some folks that are on Discord right now, you can you know join the Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. Cinco, uh, uh, his pick for this week was Hellions, I think number six that's coming out eight, this week. Eight. Uh, eight. Okay, so thank you. Um, he didn't give me a number, but that's okay. Uh, so Hellions number eight, and Danny picked Death Metal number seven because mm. he's also excited about Future State, but also wants to read the end of Death Metal. Absolutely. Um, before I get into my comic pick, though, because it is 2021, um, I'm trying to do something wild. It's a brand new year, so it's a brand new show in some ways. Um, we're going to be trying something every week. We're going to be giving away $20 as a gift card to Comixology or Midtown Comics, whichever you pick, if you share and tag the show on social media. So uh, this year, we want to help you read comic books. So share the show, tag us, and we will give you $20 or um, you know, we'll pick one person to get $20. Uh, this week's winner, Sean Arias on Instagram. I want to thank Sean for his support. He's been tagging us and sharing the show on his Instagram story. So thank you so much, Sean. I'm going to be reaching out to you about that $20 gift card. Um, I was going to pick, I was going to pick, uh, Eternals this week. Uh, but I decided I wanted to go a little bit off the beaten path and fix something that was brand new, unaware to me. Uh, so I picked the last witch. This is from boom studios with writer Connor McCreary and art by VV glass. The summary is it's a one, it's the one time of the year when the, the witch known as Kalich hunts the children of the village. So Shorshi, a brave and reckless young girl, decides that this is the perfect opportunity to defy her father and discover the secrets of the witch's tower. But when Kalich captures Shorshi and her brother Brahm, their lives are forever changed in ways they never expected. Now Shorshi has to save everyone she loves by discovering the truth about the mysterious mark on her shoulder and embracing her secret magical powers. I don't know what this is, but this sounds really fun and cute, and I'm all for it. The art is is gorgeous. The cover to this book looks like you would what you would expect from a Boom Studios co- uh, yep. comic, but um, I'm very excited to just just try something new. So I've got this number one. Probably going to end up pulling the whole series because Boom rarely disappoints, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. So I'm very excited to check this out. I was going to pick an X book, but come on, that's not interesting. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm reading those X books. <laughs> and um, if that witch act is looking for work, there are children in the apartment upstairs that are very loud, and oh, I would oh, like okay. to make a referral. So okay. I will. I'll let her know. Thank you. Uh, well, anyways, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about X of Swords. What our top three favorite and least favorite things were our overall thoughts um what we think about the future of the x-men and also much more um and in the break we're going to be talking about uh some stuff with dc future state so if you're not already on the discord make sure to jump in and do- so you don't miss the stuff in the future we'll be back in a second For our show this week, we are talking about the X of Swords crossover event from Marvel. Features all the X-Men books that you possibly could read. Um, So just a fair warning, full spoilers for X of Swords. If you haven't read X of Swords, you better press pause on this episode. Go finish that up, then come back here and listen to the rest of the episode. Um, 
my apologies to all you MU subscribers out there who haven't gotten all those issues yet. You know, they'll come eventually and you can come back to this episode. But before we get into it, um, we do have a poll out right now on Patreon. If you're not a patron, you should definitely go do that. Five bucks a month will get you access to all of our exclusive episodes. Saga of Saga, a brand new series that we have coming uh, that may be around the book Giant Days, as well as a bunch of other stuff that we've recorded in the past. But we have a poll out right now for our next IRCB Movie Club, which is a Patreon exclusive series. You can go vote on the three movies that we have that are potentially going to be watched by our our group of me, Brian, and Paul. The three movies that we are going to be watching potentially are Batman the Movie from 1968, Spider-Man from 2002, and Superman from 1974 six i want to say what you know the one from the 70s the really really good one um one of those three books are going to be or one of those three movies are going to be watched by us so go vote right now if you haven't already anyways let's talk about x-men let's talk about the x of swords series now i kind of wanted to break things down here and try to get make things a little bit more focused so we're going to be talking about our top three dislikes then our top three likes of the series and then we're going to have just an overall discussion about things so i guess to get things started Kevin, what was one of the things you disliked about Acts of Swords? Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, I know um, for me, um, I don't mind the data pages in the X books, but it felt like there were a lot. I don't, for some reason in this, the 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 summary of this is who the sword is, and da, 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 it felt like there were too many maybe, or... Uh, I don't understand what the explanation of them needs to be in those. It just felt like a little bit too much for me. I'm, I, I'm kind of growing tired of those pages a little bit, to be honest, in all X books. Um, it's just wearing a little bit on me. Um, and it's mainly, and it's not that I don't like to read. It's just like, I think my goal is like to in reading comics, I want to see the blended art meeting the words kind of ex- experience. Sure. And, and, and I think, Exo Swords, there were just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and yeah. I'm really curious what, what, what and why they needed to be as many as there were. Um, and, and that's, yeah, I, that's my thought. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like the data pages specifically about the swords and the sections of overworld or otherworld. Yep. I, I was kind of confused as to what their relevancy was because I expected them to kind of come into play. Yeah. Um, I was reading an article recently from Comics XF um, to plug a you know a website that just launched um, that we know some folks that work over there on um, an interview with Jonathan Hickman um, about all the graphs and all the stuff that he does, which I thought was a really interesting thing. And there was a question about you know why are all the data pages kind of showing up in all of the books? Is this something that you pushed on all the writers? And he said no, this was just like a thing that I did and other writers wanted to do as well and so they just came up with their data pages and fed it to the the marketing or the the editorial folks and they kind of you know made it so that it fit and looked the same and then we would just dump them into books so like to see that happening across that x of swords thing made me think maybe that's a little bit intentional because they were all related and it seemed like they were kind of preordained specifically to kind of talk about things that were happening in the issue but like it, it felt like a lot of fluff to try to confuse you yep. like it felt like oh this is this going to be important you need to know pay attention to all this stuff ultimately for it to kind of fall down and not actually really be important with like rare exception i think there were maybe two sword pages that were important and one of the like locations in other world that were important but um yeah I, I i totally agree with you it felt like unless they're going to do a sequel or they're going to do more with the swords in the future um it felt really kind of unimportant 
overall to the run. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you're going to do supplemental material like that, and certainly this is not the first book that has done that. I think of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen books where at the end of each issue, Alan Moore would do these travelogues that would talk about other um, characters that many times would end up appearing in the story later. Um, these feel like um, it, it's kind of like showing off that you can do something just because you can and you think it's right. cool yep. as opposed to actually adding to the story. I think that one of the things that this crossover did successfully was bring Saturnine and the other world realm into a, a level of awareness to the general X fan. If you weren't reading the um, Excalibur book in the 90s, or the Captain Marvel, or excuse me, Captain Britain stuff prior to that in the 80s, you had mm-hmm. no idea who those characters were prior to right. X of Swords. So right. it was successful from that perspective, but the general reader doesn't give a shit about seven of the eight provinces of Otherworld. And we shouldn't, because <laughs> right. nothing about them is actually relevant to the story. Right. And that's right. just a, a waste of precious pages. When you have right. this many characters and this much expectation, you need to be delivering. And I don't feel that those pages delivered, by yeah. and large. And you might confuse Saturnine with Emma Frost, because she looks exactly <laughs> like her. her. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we, we just kind of tackled, you know, Kevin and I had one of the same points. So, Eric, what was one of the pieces that you didn't like about the series? And maybe we'll bounce back and forth to kind of give some negative and positive back and forth. So we're not just digging too deep into a pit here. So go ahead, give us one one of your dislikes and we'll jump into a like next. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll go to one of my smaller ones. But um, for me, the stuff with the sword satellite felt really shoehorned in. And oh, sure. it was to me well, we need to launch a new sword book. Nobody cares about this property. It had literally, so if you don't know, there was a a sword quote unquote ongoing series back during, I think, Morrison's X-Men run that I think lasted five issues and it was supposed to be an ongoing series. Nobody cares about that property. And so I felt like they were shoehorning into this because it's a (laughs) sword-based crossover. So here's how we do it. And like when I first read that issue of Cable that brought that in, and of course, Saturnine mm-hmm. makes Cable go do this and Cyclops, and apparently it's the the thing that will save the day. And I guess it kind of does in the end. Yeah. But that kinda. whole thing felt like such a weird tangent when we were just kicking off this story about champions getting their swords and fighting each other. And now there's a space satellite <laughs> with parasites from another dimension that are voracious. Right. It was just such a, like, not even out of left field. It was like out of left field in a completely different baseball park, three States away. <laughs> right. And well, so, yeah, they're playing soccer and the the story was about baseball. That's yeah, pretty much right. what it was. Right. I was like, what the fuck? And it did end up playing in, which I'm glad about. But to me, the sword stuff felt really, really tacked into us already overstuffed, very complicated uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. And I bought sword one. I enjoyed question mark sword one. Um, I will buy sword two. But um, I don't think that that was the time or the place to be sure. do, doing that, in my opinion just putting yeah that no i i totally agree i think that the, the sword stuff definitely felt shoehorned in i de- i thought that the bits with cyclops gene gray and cable actually being like a family and stuff like that i thought that was actually really powerful absolutely um and i will say i love al ewing like everything he does i will read at this point yep. but yes sword coming in and being like the savior of the day in some ways felt so out of true like you said out of a different ballpark, out of a different sport, like didn't seem like it should have actually factored into anything. It should have been the X-Men that saved the day, not 
some weird alien parasite thing. I don't know. It's strange. Strange to me. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, let's, you know, let's, let's move on to something a little bit more lighthearted. I'm going to, I'm going to start with one of my likes of, of X of sorts. Um, I actually really liked the dinner party overall thing like i was ready once everyone got their swords and i was kind of like holy shit we built up 10 issues 12 issues or whatever to get to this point um the dinner party thing actually surprised me because i realized that i loved the tension that was put into that issue of everyone's ready to fight like they're all fucking mad that they have to even be here in the first place specifically the x-men like wolverine is literally frothing from the mouth ready to kill someone um and yet they had to sit there and be polite and like eat dinner because Saturn says if this Saturnine says that if if you guys fight, um, then I'll kill you all. Like because she has this mad control. Like there was so many factors going into of just like I'm so much more powerful than you, but you all must play nice children. Um, like this ego trip that I felt like Saturnine was on that it made that whole exchange really really enjoyable for me. Like to see Storm have to dance and and you know the end of the issue where Wolverine goes and kills Saturnine and then it turns out it was all a dream. Like what a what a nice little like middle finger to everyone who just expected a fight but at the same time it made for a really enjoyable read like i was expecting a big fight and i was hoping that the actual thing that wolverine did with killing her um was going to play out but um the 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 build up to that was really really fun to me um i i just i overall liked it i loved that scene i think it was like a two issue long dinner party and i could have read it for four issues because it was so good yep um and one of the things that Kevin and I talked a lot about, and, and this is, I think, relevant to this topic, one of the great, wonderful things to come out of X of Swords is the characterization on Storm is so strong in this mm-hmm. story. For years, Storm has been languishing as a B or C list X-Men character, I think since she got married off to Black Panther. I have found through Hickman's run, she's being elevated back to the place where she should be, which is right there with Cyclops and Jean and Wolverine and Professor Xavier as one of the preeminent characters in the X-Men. And we are getting Storm in this series. And I love it. And she was great in the dinner party sequence with Death and then subsequently as well. Really, really strong Storm work here. Yeah, I think her position in the X-Men overall has been elevated back to this mythic status that I think she's deserved to be in for a really long time um, and that she was in at one point. But then like to the whole like I am a goddess thing kind of just fell into the back uh, like back burner for a little bit. And now to see her back in this position of power where everyone looks to her to be this this deific character, um, I think is really, really great. And you can see that throughout X of Swords and all of the Dawn of X stuff. I think she's been put back into that position and it's really, really great. I, I don't think she's had enough story personally, but I like like that she's in this position for whenever someone wants to grab her and put her into a story. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean that, that's, that's one of my, that's one of my, I, I could talk about the dinner party for forever, but I, I want to jump off the, one of my favorite things was the, was the character development of, of, of throughout this story. I thought it was fantastic. I, I think the sto- I'm going to uh, echo the storm comment. I thought her, um, going to Wakanda uh, was everything. I thought that was so great. I thought I loved her interactions with Shuri. Um, It was, it was so good. And then I loved Wolverine. I don't say that a lot. It's, it's rare. Like I love. uh, Interesting. I don't say that a lot. And I really liked him in this book. I thought it was funny. I thought he was playful, Um, but yet also 
aggressive in the right way that Wolverine is supposed to be. Um, I love, mm-hmm. I loved Cypher. I loved, loved Cypher. I fell in love with that character. I never thought I would, that would happen. He was never a character that really was a top tier favorite for me, but they just made yeah. him so sweet and likable. And like, but throughout, I think what I liked with, we talked about this in part one, you know, I think the thing that kind of fumbled for me a little bit in, in Messiah complex was like, it felt uneven and sometimes the character choices were weird and you weren't getting the appropriate action from a character. But I think the thing that I loved about Exoswords is you had all these different cooks in the kitchen, um, all these different writers and the through line of character and development was just spot on everything I wanted and, and needed um, for, for an overarching story like this. Cause you often, it's just about fighting and I loved that we right. got to have fun. It was actually fun to see these folks, you know, be strong and powerful and funny and playful and, and all of that. Even Saturnine is, I think now I would, I've said this, Eric said this to me and I agree is now a top tier villain. Yeah. Um, I think oh, absolutely. this yeah. book really did that for her character and that's great. And a very different you, type of villain. I'm sorry, Mike, exactly. go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, could you also say that Jamie Braddock is a little bit of a villain in this? <laughs> sure. And Sinister is kind of a third tier villain in this too. I mean, what happens with yeah, Sinister yeah. And, and Hallions is really fucked up. Pardon my French. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Cause I've got that as, as one of my, one of my bits, but um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Character development is fantastic. I actually really like the overall arc of apocalypse. Oh, yes. my God, I think incredible. this, this, he, this tragically broken character who's just been trying to do this one thing for a millennia. Like, come on, like how fucking cool is that? Like I'm, I'm all about that kind of story. Yep. It is incredible. When you go back, and as I mentioned, Mutant Massacre, I just recently read, and Apocalypse is just making his initial appearances in the X-Universe in that story. Yep. Everything mm-hmm. that has led up to uh, X of Swords is still canon, right? All of this is about yep. creating the, the strong will survive and the weak will perish. That And mm-hmm. then you find out why he's been doing all that with X of Swords. So everything is working in character. And then to find out it's all ultimately a love story is incredible. Yeah, uh, it yeah, is a yeah. twisting of a mythos in a way that doesn't snap its neck. It just shows you a completely different vantage point. And yeah. I, what an incredible send off for this character. And I'm sure he will appear again in the future. But of course, since the beginning of X or House of X, Powers of X to now, I look as like one chapter. And this is the Apocalypse chapter. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm fantastic character work with apocalypse yeah. when he showed up as a major player in excalibur i was a little confused but to see it all play out yeah. like holy shit like like i really have to applaud the bigger storyline that i think teeny howard was going at and i felt like i wasn't completely on board for it right i will completely admit i was wrong here in saying that i wasn't a huge fan of what was happening and now to see it all come to fruition i loved it i absolutely loved it um, so, you know, it's just one of those judging books too early, guys. We shouldn't do that. I, I um, will but, say this, if I may. Um, I still yeah. consider Excalibur to be a mess of a book, although I thought that the first post X of Swords issue was was much stronger. Um, Absolutely. I stand by all of my criticisms of the first couple issues of Excalibur, <laughs> but I do end up, I loved the relationship between Richter and Apocalypse in particular that was developed. Mm-hmm. And I love how he's longing for that that. Um, mentorship too. Again, I feel it's actually very in character for Richter to have that response, even though if the mystical woo-woo stuff leaves me baffled, um, Mm -hmm. really excellent character work there. So I'm back into Excalibur. I had dropped it and I'm back in. 
Yeah, well, let's see. Um, I mean, we kind of we kind of touched on everyone's one of the top three things, right? I think I'm just looking through the notes here. Yeah. Um, let's let's bump over to another dislike. Um, Kevin, let's uh, start with you. Yeah. So I think kind of building up to be, we talked about the dinner party, but building up to the dinner party, the the quote unquote collection of the swords, um, there was just an unevenness in that of what I, what I cared about, like two issues of Wolverine. Um, yeah, I, I, I just commented on how much I liked Wolverine and I, I did like Wolverine's character development and his growth, but I don't understand why we needed two issues of that. And I guess it was to introduce his new kind of pseudo arch nemesis. Um, but still it just felt like uneven in the way some of them got the swords. I, some of those journeys just felt uneven to me. And I wish there was, I wish every book was the book that storm had, you know, yeah. Agreed. I wish Agreed. I was just going to say that. I wish every book was that book and it yeah. wasn't. And that's okay. And not every journey had to be that epic or that emotional, but why not like that? Right. You know, why not? That is what it should have been. And I, I felt a little bit in the beginning, like that was, losing me um or it was an uneven piece of this long journey so that would be another thing that i was not a huge fan of yeah i i think some of my big criticisms of this event before it's when it started was okay when are we actually going to get to the event right yeah. right like this, this to me felt a lot like secret invasion i don't know if you guys read secret invasion yep. back in oh, the day yeah. where it was like yep. six issues of build up for like two issues of of action and not to say that we needed to have 22 issues of action i think that would have been overwhelming but like i felt like yeah to kevin's point it was uneven um to, to have those issues all spread out to get two issues of wolverine just to, for the sake of it like i understand gary dugan is writing both of those books and the story was pretty big and we need to establish a couple different things that actually played out in the exosaurs finale and stuff but I feel like you could have done it all in one issue. Yep. I, I genuinely do. Yep. Um, and that could get left room for other characters um, to, to get a little bit more story um, rather than banging out like one or two in a single issue. Um, and it was a little underwhelming. Like I know that we got a couple of bits where with Doug Ramsey, again, I'm, we're going to talk about him in a second. I think um, where, he, you know, this, this whole thing with him and magic, which I really liked yep. of you're never going to be able to fight Doug. Don't even try like, and him kind of trying to be defiant. I, there was some good f- comedy in there. I thought that worked, but again, the, the buildup, I totally agree. was a little bit disjointed um, to get to the dinner party, which is great. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. This, this event is all over the place in that regard. Yep. I will, I will say for me, I agree with everything you guys just said. It was very frustrating in the first, before the midway point, I can't think of what the actual midway special episode or, or issue was, but I was like, we're spending so much time with the sword collection on the X-Men part when at least three or four of those swords were already in their position or, yep. or possession, right. Right? right? And I'm like, when do I learn about their Arako counterparts? And the answer was for most mm-hmm. of them, never. And that was very right. frustrating for me. Like, or the one issue, the right. one issue that we got. And I'm like, why are you not taking the opportunity to show me, like, if you really want to build actual tension and you've done a great mm-hmm. job building up this to the story arc, right? I, I, I'm, I've, nitpicking but if you want to make me care about betsy braddock versus i don't remember who betsy was up against was it against iska the unbeatable like i need to really understand some of these 
opposite characters way more. And th- I thought that they really blew that. A couple of them, I mean, Solemn took two issues to get introduced, and I still feel like I barely know the guy. Um, mm-hmm. If you, if uh, to the average reader, are you aware that apparently, like, he has adamantium skin or veins or something? No, something. I, you I, only I, know I, that I, if you read the text pages i believe it's not even said in the actual narrative and like he has no reason to actually hate wolverine right like really missed opportunities from an araco point and given where we are now as a story for the broader x point those araco characters are going to be hugely important so Mm -hmm. i think it was Mm -hmm. a missed opportunity there was a lot of wasted time going into depth on things that didn't need to be gone into with the X-Men and missing the opportunity to really properly introduce some of these new antagonists that I'm hoping are going to be part of a big part of the second act of the overall house of X story. That's my Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will say just, uh, just to keep moving along here since we've, we've only, we've got to get through all these, these, these things. Um, I, I, I agree with that as well. Um, but uh, one of the other things that kind of disappointed me was the tarot cards being like a launching point for the story and then kind of only being relevant in a handful of places. And I, maybe that's a whole thing that's like the nature of tarot cards and stuff. But I was kind of hoping for more mysticism and magic and weird shit from uh, Saturnine, like regarding those cards, like maybe pulling more cards as fights happened and, you know, things changed and maybe seeing a reinterpretation or maybe even someone just explaining the interpretations as the, as the story went on um, a little bit more, adding more cards to the play. Cause there's a lot of people involved. Everybody had a card and they only became relevant in like two or three places. Um, I just wanted more of that. I thought that was a really cool idea that kind of just disappeared from the story until the very end. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about that because I, I, I could see where what, what Teeny Howard and, and Hickman and Co. and everybody working on it was doing, but it just didn't play through. And I was a little bit bummed. Again, big story. You've got to coordinate a lot of people. I totally get it. But um, I was hoping for more of that to be like a central focus of the, of the storyline because they introduced it as like a crucial part of things, um, especially when everybody got to dinner. Agree. And if you go back and look, the free comic book day of last year had the Exoswords preview in it, and mm-hmm. the cards were introduced in that. That's when they first, and, and Tarot had text pages, ta- Tarot from the, Hel- the original Hellions, explaining like, oh, I found this, you know, Hanged Man card. What could this refer to? And I read an interview with Hickman where he's like, yeah, um, some of those changed. Some of the cards changed. Some of the people that they're about changed between when we did that very early preview and now. Right, right, right. And if you look at the early X of Swords art, there's a bunch of people on there wielding swords who were either completely sidelined in this or the swords. Like Cyclops had a lightsaber in like original promo right. art. Yes, so like right. things dramatically changed over the course of the planning and execution of this one. And I think mm-hmm. that's where you're finding things like the whole tarot part, which was a really cool idea and added a, a whole mystery to things. I agree. Mm-hmm. Like this was the perfect storyline to have that play a very central role. And they kind of flubbed that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Eric, what's one more that you, uh, you didn't like, I guess um, I will. So, I will go ahead. I'm going to change from one of my three. Although I'll mention this briefly. We saw all of those various Araco versus X-Men matchups. And the one they did not show us at all is a fashion walk-off between Wolverine and Storm. As a homosexual, <laughs> I call shade. And I'm going to need to request that we have an entire miniseries in which we see Storm and Wolverine in a pose-off 
on the runway. I want Wolverine <laughs> modeling Andrew Christians. Thank you very much. Um, but, okay. But that, just putting that out there. The other thing I will mention is um, Betsy was obviously a huge point of the buildup to the story. Betsy is a mm-hmm. central figure in the story. Betsy's fight is basically DQ'd in one swipe. And I don't understand at the end of it what is going on. And I know obviously Excalibur will explore what's going on with Betsy. If the yeah, point was yeah. bringing back the Captain Britain core in the model of Betsy Braddock as opposed to Brian Braddock, okay, I get this, but I'm not understanding what we're trying to say. And maybe it will reveal itself over time, but it's just um, as a Betsy Stan from way back in the 80s, I'm Mm -hmm. confused about Betsy's characterization and I don't feel like she's being treated fairly as a character. Again, she's being treated like a punk and I don't think Betsy's a punk. Yeah, it's weird because the whole Excalibur run, it feels like everyone's been really, really, really coming down on her. Um, And I I get it like to a certain extent, right? Because she's she's breaking norms and all this other shit. But like, I don't know. I I just want Betsy to do well. Yeah, (laughs) please. (laughs) Yeah. And she cannot catch a break. I mean, I understand why Saturnine hates her guts. I get that. And frankly, I kind of love it. It's giving me dynasty energy. Fully here for that. Mm. But I don't understand. Like, first of all, I thought her becoming Captain Britain was really rushed. That should have been its own miniseries so that she can, like, we can understand what she can do. She's on Krakoa, but she's Captain Britain. Why her? Like, there was a lot of rushing into that. And now it's making this moment where she is the prototype for the entire multiversal Captain Britain Corps feel cheap and easy. And I'm just waiting for it to be reset with Brian. That, that that to me is where this mm. is all going. So interesting. Yeah, that's I'm just putting that out there. Interesting. I I, um, I I guess I also wish like if it were Dynasty, I wish Betsy were. Is she like Crystal? I'm guessing. Yeah. But, I, but like at least Crystal. This is, Crystal. Sorry, we're going into like 80s soap opera references. Yeah. Um, okay, that's what I was wondering. That's yeah. all I wanted to know. 80s soap opera references. Okay. Yes, but like I guess I wanted. To your point, Eric, I wanted uh, Betsy is not a character that I like or dislike. She's kind of neutral for me. Like I've read great stories with her. I've read stories where I'm like, okay, cool. But like I wanted her to, I don't know, have more personality. Um, a spine? Yeah, something. Yeah. At least Crystal well, Dynasty has a spine. She's like got you know, like I just don't I didn't get that from her as much as I wanted. What were you going to say, Mike? I I think that she does have a bit more spine than you guys are giving her credit for. I think that she's just against overwhelming odds. Like the stories have been set up against her, stacked up against her in such a way that there is no win scenario for her. There is no way for her to succeed. And that maybe was part of everything. Like no matter what she did, she was always under like never fully prepared, never ready to do everything. Everyone expected X and she wanted to do Y like Everything that she's been written for over the last, I think, year or so has been just not something that it's just been a scenario where she can't come out on top um, is, is to get us to this point where she has been completely broken. And I think maybe the story is going to turn into, well, maybe we should have appreciated Betsy Braddock a little bit more I hope um, so. because she she represents all this other stuff. You know, that's that's my take on it. I hope, yeah, I, I, I hope that's true, because right now this situation is everybody saying, well, you're not Brian, so you suck. And right, right. I, I need the outcome of that to be, you're not Brian, you're actually better than Brian. That's what I exactly. need this story to become. And right now, I, right. maybe we're only, uh, you know, a, a part of the way through it. I, I need there to be a better outcome for Betsy for this as a, a longtime fan of the character. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, let's try to lighten things up. Let's talk about another thing that we all liked. Um, Eric, let's just go back right back into you. Um, what was something that uh, you enjoyed about this series? One um, more thing. Yeah, sure. So one of the things that I liked and also didn't like was it was not at all what I expected it to be. Um, mm-hmm. It was... Uh, I, I we all think went into this thinking it's going to be ten fights with swords and you know good guys versus bad guys, and this was right. a romp. This was uh, mm-hmm. like every fight was so out of nowhere and something completely different. And at first I was like, well, I kind of wished it was just you know the, the people fighting each other, all this build up. But then I was like, but this is so much more interesting, and it, it's clever, and it is it's very much in the spirit of the Fey world and magic, and things are not what mm-hmm. you think they are, and everything has a cost, and so. I like that it subverted my expectations. I ended up overall for all the complaints I've been leveraging against it. Overall, I ended up really satisfied by this storyline. And I thought that it did a great job capping off the um, apocalypse chapter of this and really Mm -hmm. does set up what I think is a very exciting new chapter for this House of X universe uh, with the Arako folks, with the return of the actual X-Men, even though to me it's a little nebulous right now with all that means. Right, right. Um, but for me, um, it was it was not what I was expecting, and I'm so glad it wasn't because it really is another reset. And I give props to Hickman and the editors for saying we're not going to dwell on this period for too long. We're going to move right on to the next one. We have a a larger overarching story to tell, and we don't want people to get bored. So I I, I praise them for that. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I think I I. You know, I won't get into it because it's one of my dislikes. So, you know, Kevin, what's one of the things that you liked about this as well on top of that? I don't want to steal your thunder because you. I want you to talk about Hellions. So, because that's obviously one of my favorite things too. So. No, no, go ahead. Because, you know, I got I to gotta back up. Okay. Um, I I mean, miss, so the first issue of Hellions that we get in Exoswords is like, we're going to send this team in and they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to subvert the challenge. Cool great idea for this like suicide squad team of x-men love it yeah um issue two um mr sinister kills his whole team in the pursuit of a cape and um just shows how petty and bitchy and cunty and evil he is and then he gets back and he's like oh they're dead Uh." and it's just I don't know. It's why I love Hellions as well. I think it's a top tier mm-hmm, book. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, great. it it really um it added and broke up the story in a way that I needed. I think it kind of which I do have a con to that in some ways too, but it just um I I liked his involvement in this story. I, I do think we are building towards big stuff with Sinister. Yep. Um, and, oh yeah. And I, I'm excited about that. But um, I also really love that team and the way that um, Psylocke and Wild Child have developed a really good, interesting relationship was has been really fun. Um, and I like what they're doing with Havoc and his like psychological like breakdown, basically. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's so good. I mean, every one of these little pieces of a of these team members built into oh and um why am i blanking on their name nanny and the orphan maker no uh the one who was mentally manipulated um oh, empath and, and gray crow empath and gray crow thank you 
Um, (laughs) I just chuckled a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It was so fun. And, and like, it really added to the playfulness of everything and, and sinisters. He's a great character in this. This was a really good use of him in this overarching story. And it really worked. It worked very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, Hellions is is one of those surprise hits. And like that was such a fantastic little B story to the X of Swords. Like it wasn't tied in yep. or anything. It, it was it had nothing to do with the actual fights that were going on. And it was, uh, you know, like a very wonderful break. Like you guys said, like I, I, I love that. It, those two issues like I, I especially love just the the second Hellions issue that we got like is so it's it, I love the way that Zeb Wells is writing this book overall. Yep. This is like easily the surprise breakout hit of the entire dawn of x line as far as i'm concerned what a surprise to see this book of of weirdos become the best book that marvel is publishing in the x line period yeah it's terrific and i think that you know we're winning into the sinister and the black king area of 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 dawn of x now with with what's going Mm -hmm. on in uh marauders it's really good character work that we're seeing like yeah more than these these villains have gotten i think ever Yep. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the episode. Let's let's keep going. I want to talk about one more thing that I liked, which is the you you die, you win challenge between Wolverine and Summoner. That fight that happened where the person who died actually got the point. I thought that was such a great fuck you from Lady Saturnine just to to manipulate everything into saying, yeah, we're going to take your unkillable character and fight them against someone else or put the pit them against someone else. And if they lose, they win. Like what if they lose the fight, they win. Like what a beautiful just middle finger. I just love that moment. Um, that's all I really have to say about it. It's just a wonderful little moment for me. And it's very good characterization for Saturnine. I kind of referenced this earlier. We have never had a villain like Saturnine before where Mm -hmm. she's incredibly powerful, but what makes her super dangerous is that you, you have no idea what her intentions are and Mm -hmm. she can go super literal or she can be very all over the place. I think like she's very exciting to me as, as a villain now. I I, I can't wait to see she's deployed. I agree. Yeah, I, I think that we're definitely going to see more of her in the Excalibur book moving forward. And it's it's going to be very exciting to see what uh, Teeny Howard does with that character moving forward. Um, yeah. All right. Let's let's just quickly let's go through one more dislike that everybody had. I'm going to start. Um, I did kind of expect over the top arcade style fights and we got a lot of twists and turns and avoid and, and like a lot of dodges to make sure that no one died. And I, I guess this is like fey bullshit, like combat by all these different things. Like there was an arm wrestling match between magic and pog or pog, um, which I was going to be one of my likes. I like that character just because how stupid it was. But regardless, like I was a little bit disappointed that we weren't just getting straight up fights. Like, I don't know if you guys read the, the AVX versus series that yep. came out. Yeah. <laughs> it was, so dumb but it was just characters fighting each other i genuinely thought that's what we were going to get for like three issues of x of swords um so i was kind of disappointed that we didn't get that we did get some fights and the fights really good um and some of the twists and turns were really interesting you know like i said um but ultimately i was expecting more just like straight up let's just mash the action figures together and see who comes out on top um fighting and instead we got a bunch of other stuff so i was a little disappointed there yeah i I hear that completely i think that's fair yeah um, Kevin, what about you? What's one last thing that you you'd have as a dislike for X of Swords? Did it so? Did it maybe go too quick for you all? Like, I I know that's a weird thing to complain about with that's an event. Really interesting, yeah. Um, but like every week, like it, it was months long because it's twenty two issue. Like, 
but I, I, I have to wonder, like, it was like binging a TV show, um, yeah. you know, and watching or watching it week by week. So, you know, um, I, I, I will buy, I will say this, I will buy the hardcover of this and I will reread it. So there's that component mm-hmm. to it, um, which is a, in a way a win for it. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm, I, I'm, I meant this more as like a, it, I think it did for me. Like, I think it went too quick, but again, it was 22 issues. So it, I think it had to. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, Danny, torn. Danny in the chat's calling us out saying there's 24 if you include the prologue. That's right. Yeah. So right. that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think, but it, yeah. any, I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I it felt quick, but also I think if it would have dragged out for another two weeks, I would have been mad. That's yep. really weird. Because yep. I agree that it felt fast, but it also would have been annoying if we had more of it. <laughs> I also think that in 2020, time lost all meaning. And things were True. either True. took forever or were super fast. And for me, if this was coming out in a regular year, I think we wouldn't be having I think we would have actually been critiquing it for going on too long. If yep. it was any other yeah. year than 2020. Right. Yep. I think you're right. Agreed. Um, Eric, what about you? One last thing you didn't you didn't like? Gosh, I don't have anything else. We covered all of my dislikes. Um, okay, I think by and large it was successful. I agree, even yeah. though it was not what I expected it to be at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we covered everything that I I had as well. Um, well, I guess did you guys have any final likes? Any last things you want to mention that you really enjoyed? Um, and then we can kind of get to some really quick like predictions about where we see the X Men line going. Um, I, I'll just start really quick. I love Doug Ramsey yep. as a character now. Yep. Doug Ramsey. It's AKA Cypher, Marion Bay, the Blood Moon. I mean, this was really fun. I thought, like, I was complaining about there not being arcade style fights, but then we get this marriage. Um, I don't know why, but that way that Doug was portrayed, uh, he's so enamored by um, someone he couldn't understand. I just thought that was really nice. Like, him being head over heels by this. this towering you know, person that he is now married to and he doesn't really know what to do with the relationship and kind of being this little tiny uncertain character and when doug ramsey to me since the beginning of dawn of x has been like of this very confident like i'm in control i have the i'm the only person that can communicate with the island being in this position of power where he's kind of just been like can you guys stop talking shit about the island? They're right here. You know, like <laughs> I, I really like this character where he, how he's been built up and then to see him kind of be put in his, in a different position where he's so uncertain of himself, not being able to fight, not sure what to do, thinking he's going to die, but in like a really charming way um, was really, really nice. And I love the way that he's being written now. I just, something about Doug Ramsey is just great. I, and I, I think that could probably be said if I read a bunch of Doug Ramsey comics in the past, yep. but um cypher is just i love that he's he's written now the way he's written and i just want nice things for doug ramsey that's all that i want yeah uh, if you go back and read the new mutants from the 80s doug is a super likable character that like Mm -hmm. he's just really charming when they bring him back from the dead during necrotia he's almost a sociopath and by almost i mean he's actually fully sociopathic right Um, i was gonna say that's that's been like my really only touch on that character was i think necrosia yeah um but i will say that it's it was such a flip for me because if you listen to our previous uh x-men episode of this podcast my whole thing was they've given us too many little seeds that Doug slash Warlock are actually a massive threat to everything with Krakoa, if not the planet right. Earth, um, all along House and Powers of X, that to have Doug now be this like silly head over heels like teen kid. It's great. Don't get me wrong. It's mm-hmm. super fun to mm-hmm. read. But I'm like, 
are we not going down that path where Doug is actually a gigantic threat? Maybe we're not. I don't know. <laughs> like it, it's trying to read the tea leaves with this uh, uh, is um, kind of pointless. I'm just enjoying it for what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what about you? What's one more thing you enjoyed? Um, when I, I will say I liked the weirdness of the not sword fight. Um, okay. I liked that a lot. I thought it was unexpected and I thought it was fun. So I liked that. And I also, um, oh, but I also to counter that and to say that I really, I like the pay, the, the, the splash page where you get to see everyone showing up all the different X-Men to fight and to join uh, in the battle. Yeah. It's such a beautiful image. And I saw a lot of people sharing that, uh, on Twitter, um, cause it's a really, yes. really cool image. And I really loved that. Um, and I will, I will finally just echo. I, I loved this apocalypse story, but it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eric, what about you? Any any last final things that you liked about X of Swords? Uh, I thought that first issue, the the opening to it, where they all go into Arako and Rockslide is killed, and uh, we have it was focusing on characters that don't normally get a focus. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that issue was thrilling. I thought it was really well executed from top to bottom, and um, I, I loved it. I will also uh, previously on this podcast I talked shit about Rockslide and armor, um, <laughs> and, and I feel bad there. about it now. It's, it's my fault. It's my fault. I got Santos killed. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that also, uh, no, it, uh, that was a great opening. I, I can't think of a stronger opening to a, a crossover in quite some time. So kudos to the yeah. staff for, for doing that. Definitely. Um, well, you know, thank you guys for, for going through this. We are kind of running a little long here. So I guess if you could kind of if you could give us one small prediction or where you think the X-Men is going, what's the what's the one thing you think is going to happen next or what's the one thing you're hoping is going to happen next? Uh, let's start with you, Kevin. Oh, so um, sorry, folks, this is a spoiler for X-Men nine um, or not nine. The X book that just X-Men. I think it's 16 X-Men 16 that just came out this week. Um, I'm really excited um, that they're voting for an X team. I think that's really exciting. So I'll I'll be, I'll be very curious to see where that goes and where that takes them. Um, I have my team that I created. I was messaging Eric about this as soon as that. And we were talking about who is this team. Um, so I'm excited about that. I think the other the other thing is, I guess, really to my advice is for folks to read Hellions because I think we're going to get some sinister stuff that pops up that's very crucial and, and important to like the genetics piece of everything that you know makes up mutation. And then I guess maybe one last mm-hmm. quick thing: Are we going to get a Moira show up or pop up or? single issue mm. like story she hasn't shown up in long 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 time we know why but like you know i'm are we gonna see her i'm very curious i don't think so i don't think in the next year yeah we'll see her maybe even in, yeah. like november i don't think moira shows up till the end game that's the way hickman works yeah. yep. she's off yeah and she will drop like the sword of damocles yep yeah, and with that, Eric, what's what's your prediction for the future? I'm really excited. Or hopes and dreams. Sure, I, I will quickly. Uh, Kevin's thing about the election, like I can only get so aroused, but my God, I loved that twist. And um, if I am Marvel, I am finding a way to have my readers have a say in this. Yep. That, that oh, yeah. is the win. Oh, yeah. They've done this in the past with, I believe, Avengers and Legion of Superheroes, where the readers would vote on the leader of a team. Um, but if I'm Marvel, I'm like, you take one roster and the and the readers vote. 
yep. and, and watch it's someone stupid like duper Gwenpool, but they become amazing. Right. Of course. That's, that's <laughs> of course. But um, so that, that I love that. But um, the thing that I'm really excited about is the new island of Araco being there and filled with mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. these Omega mutants that are the opposite of the Quiet Council. Um, there is a ton of potential there. And one of my main concerns and criticisms of House of X has been the lack of real named antagonists. It's a lot of new um, nameless body horror of the week plant uh, human hybrids or mm-hmm. uh, biotech hybrids and, and like there's no one to really glom onto. We have now real named antagonists that yep. we can grow as characters and I'm yep. very eager to get into that because I think there's incredible opportunity there. Eric, don't forget the plant golden girls. Um, right, the plant version of the Golden Girls. Thank you. That, that's definitely going to come back. The thing that I love about this second, like, not Quiet Council, I don't remember what they're actually called, um, is that there is a potential for a big, like, chess match to be hap- to happen between the Quiet Council and the Araco Council um, that I could see being a really interesting overarching thing where we get, like, a miniseries of, like, we see, we read a bunch of comics over a year and a half or two, and then we get a miniseries where they're, like, orchestrating it, similar to, like, the Initiative, um, or, excuse me, the Illuminati yeah. that Bendis did way back in the day. I think that would be really cool. Yep. Um, yeah, that's very exciting. The Araco stuff is very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, my hopes and dreams and predictions is that there's going to be something with Jamie Braddock that is going to break all of the Excalibur stuff that's happening, like putting him in this position of power, despite all of the time after time after time of him being this kind of malicious, sadistic character, but for fun, um, is going to backfire, right? And not Brian or Betsy are going to be able to stop it. And I think that we're going to see something like Lady Saturnine having to team up with the X-Men to get back at Jamie. Because he has reality manipulation like powers, and I don't know how that stacks up against Saturnine. And I'd be, I'm really curious to see how that's going, like the other shoe is going to drop with that character being put in that position of power. So I'm very excited to see how that all plays out, and I think that's going to be a big plot point as well as the Mister Sinister stuff, which is only going to be exciting. Agree. And I also don't discount what's going on with Sebastian Shaw either. I think that is also oh, yeah. the other shoe that's going to drop. That is the longest game, and I'm so excited to see how it plays out. Um, well, okay. Well, thank you guys so much for, for being on this episode. I know everybody out there, this went really, really long, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Kevin, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at ET Kevin's Mind. Um, that's the best place to connect with me. I tweet about comics and movies and TV and Drag Race. So, um, yay, follow me there. Okay. Uh, Eric, what about you? The best place to follow me is at greatpopculturedebate.com. That's our website. You can also find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube. Um, Make sure you follow us uh, uh, because we are working very diligently on season three. The polls are up for our main episodes. For you comic readers, you may be interested in our Best Avengers team member poll, which is currently up on the website. We uh, ask for your votes, and then the top 32 vote-getters are debated by our panelists, which I believe include... Mike and Kevin. That, that's yes. definitely going to be me. I'm pretty sure I'm on that episode. I'm at almost least. positive you are. 
<laughs> well, yeah, again, thank you guys for being on the episode. Make sure you listen to Great Pop Culture Debate. I am not only like a fan of the show, but also produce it. So please go do that. Uh, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram uh, at IRCB Podcast. Um, this show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. So join now at patreon.com slash IRCB Podcast. Make sure you go vote in that IRCB Movie Club poll. It's going to be a big one. I, I do want to correct myself earlier. Um, Spider-Man 2002, Batman the Movie 1966, and Superman 1978 are the three movies that we are voting on right now. I will say Spider-Man is in the lead, so if you want us to hear you know, hear us talk about Batman, you better get on that. Um, if you haven't already, please make sure you rate and review the show. Share it online. Tag us. We get entered to win a $20 gift card to Midtown Comics or Comixology. Um, and make sure to give us five stars because I think we deserve it at this point. Uh, join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord so you can listen to episodes live. Hang out with us. Uh, do our book club every other week. Um, we've got a bunch of stuff going on there. Read our manga challenge, all that stuff we have. Um, and don't forget to tell a friend or two about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a great friend, a great GM, and he edits the show. He's also just a fun person to talk to. I want to say thank you to Eric and Kevin for being on this episode. I want to say thank you to everyone on Discord who's listening and everyone out there who listens to the show and shares it and tells their friends about it. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics are good, and so are you.